0: Hi, I'm Edwin, and I'm Andrew. Sound
1: the battle
0: Two men, fifteen minutes, oh, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk.
1: For the Lord. Gird your armor on. Stand firm, Hello, Jesse. Press Howdy, Edwin. How you doing? Because I
0: am fantastic. Glad that you get to be here with us today on a Wednesday, the middle of the week. If this, so if the week. We're a chiastic structure. That means our conversation today is the most important of all five, right? Right. That's You're, the key. We're right. We're right in the middle of this. So, all right. So, Psalm 47. We have read from the English Standard Version this week, and we've read from the New King James. How about you choose a translation and go ahead and read it for us?
1: We're going to read from the uh, Net Bible, and let's let's get into it here. Psalm 47 reads: All you nations, clap your hands; shout out to God in celebration. For the sovereign Lord is awe-inspiring. He is the great king who rules the whole earth. He subdued nations beneath us and countries under our feet. He picked out for us a special land to be a source of pride for Jacob, whom he loves. God has ascended his throne amid loud shouts. The Lord has ascended his throne amid the blaring of ram's horns. Sing to God, sing. Sing to our king, sing. For God is king of the whole earth. Sing a well-written song. God reigns over the nations God sits on his holy throne the nobles of the nations assemble along with the people of the God of Abraham for God has authority over the rulers of the earth he is highly exalted
0: Psalm 47 from the net Bible thank you very much for that I notice we've gone back to verses 3 and 4 being in the past tense this is something that has already happened which highlights something Andrew and I brought up in our conversation yesterday The potential that this is a reference back to the conquest when God brought all these nations in Canaan under Israel and then gave them uh, or gave the land as a heritage to Jacob, to Israel, whom he loves. And this is the reason all nations need to praise, because God is working out his plan I think about the conquest, though, and I I go back to that time period, and I realize there's kind of a flip side to that. When I'm reading Joshua, there are these little hints that not everything is actually going as it's supposed to go. There, there's there's little things. We don't have to get caught up in that because when we get into Judges, we see the the fruits of what was not quite right in Joshua. It's like the flip side. Both books are pointing out that you got to have God to win. In Judges, we have the highlight of this lack of God. So anyway, all this together is making me think about, here's Psalm 47, Yahweh is king, He's it's, David's not king, Saul's not king, Solomon is not king, Yahweh is king. I remember a refrain that we find multiple times in the book of Judges that, probably should make us think of this psalm once we know both of them. Are, are you reading my mind? Do you know which comment I'm talking about?
1: Right. It's uh, There was no king in Israel. And, you know, we read that in Judges 17, 6, 18 and verse 1, 19 and verse 1, and 21 and verse 25. As we read that
0: in Judges, if all we are thinking about is the geopolitical history of Israel, what what would that mean in Judges? If we're just thinking about the geopolitical no king in Israel, what does that bring to our mind about the nation?
1: Well, that that really says to me, if it's just geopolitical, we're waiting on a king to come, and the king is going to be Saul. It's going to be David. It's going to be Solomon, if it's geopolitical.
0: I think what Psalm 47 is pointing out is that it's not a geopolitical statement. It's a theological statement. So if we make that shift, Jesse, what then is it telling us in Judges when it says there's no king in Israel?
1: Well— just you you pointed out the verses 3 and 4 of these past tense of the conquest but the next verse there's a there's a change it says that god has has ascended his throne amid loud and shouts after this conquest mm. it's, and that the, the lord has ascended his throne so somehow by god obtaining this land for his people it has, he has glorified himself in this way, and that he, he has set himself over the earth and set himself over the other gods of the other nations, that he has ascended his throne.
0: If God has ascended his throne, if God has become king, if God has demonstrated, vindicated his kingship, his royalty, his rule over Israel and over the nations by this, then in the book of Judges, who... Should they have seen as king? Well, it should have been God from the start. Should have been God from the start. So in Judges, when it says there is no king in Israel, there, it is not merely saying, well, we're tribal, we have judges in this place and that place, and they're ruling us. It's pointing out that what God had ultimately wanted for Israel was not coming to pass at this moment, and that is Israel is supposed to see... Yahweh is King. Yahweh is King. He is our King. And so we don't just do what's right in our own eyes, which is one of the other problems. Two of those statements, you mentioned the four passages in judges where it says there's no King in Israel. Two of them go on to say, and therefore everyone
1: was doing what was right in his own eyes. Go ahead. And that's not what they were supposed to be doing. They were supposed to be doing what was right in God's eyes. Uh, and, and even the judges, I, I just like to point this out often because I think sometimes we forget this. The judges are the same way. The judges, as much as they're sent by God to save the people, they're executing it in a way that is right in their own eyes. And so they're, they're not immune to the place where, where they came from. The, these are Israelites too. And so because there's no king in Israel... The judges don't have that guidance as well.
0: This is a struggle that we see. We, we start with Othniel, and then we end up with Samson. And it's, it is a real downhill slide, even as you go through the judges. I know that often, as we talk about the judges, we demonstrate the cycle. And the cycle of, of abandoning God and therefore being judged and punished and then repentance and so God bringing deliverance. However, as you walk through that cycle, we do find some places where it doesn't quite fit. Like there's one time when the people don't actually call out to God, but he goes ahead and delivers them anyway. There, there are times when there's no repentance, but he delivers them anyway. That's a It's a pretty fascinating thing. But with each judge, it almost seems like this downhill slide of how close they are to God, of, of how they are following God, especially when we get down to Samson. And at that point, it even just says that there's going to be a beginning of deliverance with Samson. There's not even going to be a full deliverance with Samson. And Samson is truly, uh, he is not a, a truly good person that God has said, oh, look at this wonderful good person. I'll let him be my hero. And he's, he's the hero of the people. It's, uh, you know, here's what I've got. And i'm I'm I purpose to deliver this people. Here's the one I'm going to use, yep
1: Samson is a a thin sliver above the rest of the people, and he is only that because God has chosen him
0: yeah and and then we only even see that at the end. His faith is in this final moment, and I think that's that's one of the interesting things. I often I look at Hebrews eleven as some of these judges get mentioned. And I know that we as Christians today have a tendency to take a look at Hebrews 11 as heroes of the faith. I think what we're actually supposed to see is that the hero of the faith is God. All of these people in Hebrews 11 accomplish what they accomplish by faith, which means they're not the ones accomplishing it who's accomplishing it well, that'd be god edwin <laughs> god is accomplishing it i know that's, that's 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 not brain surgery question right there is it uh yeah it's god is the one who's accomplishing it which gets us back to judges there's no king in israel everyone is doing what's right in his own eyes in exodus chapter 15 and verse 26 God had actually told them, as you had pointed out earlier, God had actually told them what they're supposed to do when they get in the land. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh, your healer. This was at the bitter waters that happened after the Red Sea. He's highlighting to them, guys, I'm your king. Do what I say. Do what's right in my eyes. So then when we get to Judges and they're saying there's no king and so everybody was doing what is right in his own eyes, we didn't have to wait for Psalm 47 to be written to understand that was a theological statement rather than a geopolitical statement. We didn't have to wait for that. He's pointing out, they were already told, you're supposed to do what's right, not in some king's eyes, but in God's eyes. And so what does that mean then, Jesse, for when a king is actually appointed? Okay, I, I I just threw that one right at you. When when God actually brings a king like Saul, David, or Solomon, we get it. Now we're like the nations around us, and there's somebody up on the throne. But who are, is is it about doing what's right in Saul's eyes? What, what does it mean to be an Israelite to do what's right in Saul's eyes?
1: Well, certainly it becomes that. Certainly it becomes okay. What do you want, Saul? What are we going to do? But the I think the goal really was well. They're not really just going to follow me of their own accord. Maybe if I find a king that wants to do what I want, they'll do as the king says and inadvertently actually do what I want them to do. So, but,
0: so God is bringing in a king, okay, here I, I want to find a king after my own heart, and if he leads properly, then the people will follow. Right, right the goal though is to follow ultimately god. god yeah okay so i know i asked you a question just a minute ago that took you off guard because i could tell you were actually seeing something and wanting to share something so let's go back to that what what was it that you were noticing that you wanted to bring up
1: well this the psalm was written by somebody who's living during a, a time of israel right when they have a kingdom when they have a king but he says sing to god sing sing to our king sing for god is king of the whole earth but but that's just him There's not really a time when the people of Israel collectively say, oh yeah, God is our king, we don't need a a regular one. No, they always have a different king, and they're always doing what he says, and it's not usually what God says to do. So it's kind of ironic to me that he wants to say, oh yes, God is our king, and, and we're singing to him and all of this, when that's not really the reality.
0: So the reason why a psalm like this would be written is because the people aren't just naturally doing this. We have to be called, we have to be reminded, we have to be told. This is this is what needs to be done because this is the reality. The reality is Yahweh is king. So now let's let's act like it. He's he's king. Let's act like he's king. Let's sing praises to him. And of course, he's not only calling Israel, which rarely did this as a nation. He's also calling all the nations that never did this. But it is going to happen at one time. As Andrew brought up earlier, we do know that as God says about Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. It does come down to this. There is going to come a point at which everybody praises God. Will we do it while it's from our freedom, giving our allegiance to him? Or will we do it when we are finally and ultimately defeated and suffering the punishment that comes with that defeat? The choice is going to be ours. And we need to make that choice as quickly as possible. Thank you so much for listening to Text Talk. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email. and Let us know what you're reading and learning, at org. Uh, We'd certainly appreciate it if you shared this podcast with others, if you're finding it helpful.
1: And let's go ahead and wrap up with a prayer. Jesse, would you lead us? Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kingship, your righteous rule over us and over the earth. Lord, we praise you for your rule. Lord, please keep us in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the
0: text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at ChristiansMeetHere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Have a fantastic steady, day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Go ahead. I think I cut you off. You were about to say something. Go ahead and...